0: Hey there and welcome to the Brave Marriage Podcast. I'm Kenzie Dzinski, a licensed marriage and family therapist and certified professional coach. And this is a podcast for couples who want to grow as individuals, do marriage with intention, and live mutually empowered, purposeful lives. Last week, we talked in detail about what it means to take personal responsibility for our own thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. And if several of those ideas were new to you, you may have questions about that episode, but I hope you'll hang in this month to better understand what responsibility in a healthy marriage looks like. And I would love for you to reach out if you have any questions as I go. But I want to jump right in and talk about what it means to be responsible to your spouse, but not for your spouse. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever had the experience of feeling embarrassed by your spouse in public or feeling the need to apologize for your spouse's behavior, not because they've done anything wrong, but because your spouse acted shy, socially awkward, or goofy, and you apologized for that out of your own unease and discomfort? Or have you ever said to yourself, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure we're successful in this, or that my spouse is successful here, even if it means that I'm behind the scenes pulling the strings? If you have, then those are a few signs that you have taken responsibility for your spouse instead of taking responsibility for yourself. Now let me ask you a different question. Have you ever had the experience of taking care of your spouse when he or she was sick or recovering or something, and maybe having to let a few things go as you worked your way back to more shared roles and responsibilities? Or have you ever had to have an honest, possibly uncomfortable conversation with your spouse about an area in which he or she had forgone personal responsibility where you'd previously had a shared agreement. If so, then these are a few signs that you've shown responsibility to your spouse, to his or her health or potential without taking responsibility for them. And the latter is what you want if you desire to have a healthy marriage because truly loving someone doesn't mean covering up for them or pulling more than your share of the weight nor does it mean leaving your spouse to fend for themselves without offering help and support. Truly loving someone means holding on to yourself while extending love to another. It means taking responsibility for yourself while remaining responsible to another, such as your spouse. Think about this. When couples get married, they exchange a set of vows, and these vows are meant to express our intent at the onset and to remind us of the ways we desire to love when life inevitably gets hard and plays out the way it does. So in the traditional vows, each partner will say something like, I take so-and-so to be my wedded spouse, to have and to hold from this day forward for better or worse, richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish as long as we both shall live. Essentially, what couples are saying is, I choose you to be my person. And I vow a certain responsibility to you that I don't vow to others in the same way. I vow to comfort you, to love you, to cherish you, to be a partner to you, whether it's better conditions or worse conditions creating issues in our marriage. But here's the deal. When two people stand before God, each other, and the community of others who bear witness to their covenant, They're two people, side by side, vowing to love each other into the future, so in order for a couple to uphold those vows, marriage will continue to, forever and always, require both of them to show up for each other and to take responsibility for themselves. Obviously, this is the ideal, but as we know, marriage doesn't always play out the way we thought it would or hoped it would. And so as you think about becoming a spouse who is both responsible for yourself and responsible to your partner, I want you to use your imagination with me to follow along with two unhealthy ways in which marriages end up functioning when they don't appropriately understand responsibility in marriage. Okay, so I want you to imagine if wedding vows went one of these two ways. The first way being, I vow to love and cherish you, but only if you love me first and better. I think I've heard Esther Perel or Jennifer Finlayson five coin this phrase. And of course, we don't need to make a covenant vow out of that because this is the cheapest way in the world to love someone, although it doesn't turn out so great for marriages. But this would be an example of taking some type of responsibility for the self while neglecting responsibility to one's spouse before God. And essentially what this communicates is, I vowed to love and cherish you, but only if you love me first and better. And so if you engage in patterns of behavior that I don't like, then I'm gone. Because whether this person realized it or not, with this mentality, they signed up for a marriage in which they expected all of their needs to be perfectly met, and for a spouse who they thought would do that, or perhaps whom they could get to do that. But in marriage, a partner like this will quickly find him or herself disappointed in their spouse for failing to meet their expectations. So when a person with this line of thinking realizes that this is not going to be reality, the narrative then becomes, my spouse must just not care about me or be the one for me. I deserve better than this. And unless this person takes responsibility for their own thoughts and narrative, he or she will either stay self-righteously and unhappily married or move on. Because people with this type of thinking and commitment only extend love when it reciprocally benefits them. They only show up when they're getting their needs met first, rather than offering love out of a solid sense of self. And you know, in our culture, we can point to so many reasons why marriages turn out like this, from rom-coms to rampant individualism, but it's not new. In fact, Jesus spoke to this same conditional kind of love when he said, essentially, What good is it if I love my neighbor who would choose to love me anyway? Even non-believers do that. So how does loving people who already love you well and prop up your sense of self make you any different, make you more Christ-like? Now, imagine wedding vows going a second way. I vow to make this marriage work on my own no matter what you choose. So if you do this, whatever it is, fill in the blank of whatever behavior you don't think you're signing up for or whatever happened to you, then I vow to unconditionally take one for the team and to love and support you and never make you feel uncomfortable so that we can always be happy. Okay, this would be an example of someone taking responsibility for their spouse while neglecting responsibility for themselves before God. And this one sounds more noble, doesn't it? It may look like unconditional love, but it's also a weak version of love because it's not given out of a solid sense of self, but out of a need to be externally validated, to be thought of as a savior without needs of one's own, or of making something of a lost cause, or of playing the best supporting role the world has ever seen, the woman behind the man, if you will, or vice versa. But if you follow this line of thinking and commitment all the way out, What it communicates is, if you lie, cheat, become addicted or abusive, and are unwilling to take responsibility for yourself in the aftermath of it all, then don't worry. Because I value your well-being more than my own, I am vowing forevermore to accommodate your bad behavior. And underneath, whether this person realizes it or not, he or she begins to grow resentful, angry, disillusioned, and stuck with a self that is somehow completely dependent on the irresponsible partner's need for them. And we'll talk about these dynamics more in a future episode, but it's starting to sound less and less healthy and loving, right? So I don't know about you, but this makes me thankful for the wedding vows that we do make to our partners, precisely because marriage is hard. It rarely goes the way we think it will, and it requires more of us than we ever thought it would. And when marriage gets hard, we need to know what our covenant agreement was with one another so that we can stay responsible to each other, where we'd otherwise be prone to leave or check out while making excuses for ourselves, or to stay while making excuses for our spouse. So keeping both of these unhealthy tendencies in mind, I want to talk about, from my perspective, what it means to be responsible to your spouse, but not for your spouse. Last week, we talked about taking responsibility for yourself, for your own thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. And today, I want to offer the importance of learning how to become responsible to your spouse, namely to his or her concerns and desires. So what I'm suggesting is that as a husband or wife, you are responsible to listen to and to respond to your spouse's feelings, concerns, and desires. And all this really is, is an act of unselfishness, of pausing long enough to regard your spouse highly enough to listen and validate his or her experience. And when you do this, when you stop to listen to your spouse, what you're communicating is, hey spouse, I value you as a person, not just as my support system who's conveniently there to make my life better or easier in some way, but I value you as a human being with his or her own thoughts, feelings, concerns, desires, and ways of seeing the world. Wouldn't this take us so far in marriage if we'd all pause to treat our spouses this way and to make sure they felt heard? So that's the first thing you're responsible to. And then secondly, you're responsible to respond to your spouse's concerns and desires. Now, I hope you'll listen in closely here because this is where couples tend to get confused. Let's say that Evan and I are having a conversation and he expresses his concern that I'm spending too much at Starbucks on pumpkin cream cold brews, for example, and his desire is for us to more closely stick to our budget so that we can achieve our savings goals. Well, if I'm being responsible to Evan, then responding to his concerns and desires could take shape in one of three ways, none of which include defensiveness, or me making excuses for myself. So as a first option, after really listening and hearing Evan's concerns and desires, I could see his perspective. I could have even had similar thoughts myself and agree with his perspective. And I could offer to change my Starbucks habit, just like that, done. As a second option, after really listening and hearing his concerns and desires, I could see his perspective and agree with it. And I might even want to change, but not quite be in a position in that moment to make a change. So if that were true for me, then I would respond to him in this way. I know, you're right, I've been thinking about it too, and I want to be better about sticking to our budget, but it's going to be a process for me. To take the Starbucks app off my phone, or to get some fall-flavored coffee or creamer at home, or to wean myself off the caffeine. Or as a third option of responding to him, I could still see things differently. And if that were true for me, then I would be responsible to respond by saying something like, I'm so glad you told me that you've been feeling that way about our budget or about my spending in this area, and I too want to hit our savings goals. And you're right, I'm sorry I didn't stick to what we talked about or to the budget we'd set a few months ago, but you know, as I listen, here's what I'm thinking and realizing. We never really updated last month's budget, and I would actually like to adjust it this fall to reflect $25 more in spending and $25 less in savings, because pumpkin cream cold brews are just this ritual that I enjoy, especially when it starts to feel like fall. Okay, so I hope this simple example helps you begin to think about what your spouse has requested and shared as his or her concern or desire, however eloquently. And I hope you're beginning to think through for yourself, what's my truest response to my spouse's concern or desire? Okay, because that's what being responsible to your spouse means. It means showing up and owning your side of the relationship, which is something totally different from ignoring, minimizing, invalidating, pacifying, placating, appeasing, or accommodating your spouse. Right? Some of those things that I just mentioned come out of defensiveness, and you can go back and listen to those episodes on how to drop your defenses. But in other words, here's what you don't want to do. Don't say you're sorry if you don't mean it. That's called placating and appeasing, and it's not healthy behavior, it's immature behavior. It's one thing to apologize sincerely, it's another thing to appease someone with an apology, which the partner on the receiving end can feel. Conversely, Please don't use last week's episode to say to your spouse, see, Kinsey said you're responsible for your feelings, not me. Therefore, deal with them because I'm not changing. Thanks, though. Okay, that's called negating responsibility to your spouse. And not only is it invalidating to your partner, but it's harmful to your relationship. You also don't want to change your behavior unless you agree with your spouse that something needs to change or until you've shared your honest perspective with your spouse, because that's called pacifying or accommodating. It's one thing to make a genuine change, to respond to your spouse by genuinely reflecting and making the decision to change out of a solid sense of self. But doing it in this way, while it may look selfless, it's actually selfish because it's saying, I don't care enough about you to engage our relationship in an honest way. What I care more about is creating a false or temporary sense of peace and harmony in our home by getting you off my back or by shape-shifting to meet your needs while denying or minimizing my own. So I hope this episode provides a really good place for you and your spouse to start having truer conversations in your marriage and to begin to sort out what healthy responsibility looks like between you. Because my goal is that you would both learn how to show up, own up, and grow up in the ways that you need to, in the ways your marriage will require you to, if your goal is to have an honest, intimate, and life-giving marriage. You all know that's what we're about here at Brave Marriage. So your action step as you go about your week is to start paying attention to what your spouse is asking of you. What concerns and desires are underneath their request or complaint? Taking it a step further, I want you to ask yourself this question If I were being honest with myself and non defensive with my spouse, what's my truest response to my spouse's concerns or desires? Is it to change because they have a point? Is it to communicate a desire to change while asking for a little time or grace as you do? Or is it to respond truthfully and lovingly? with your own thoughts and feelings because there's actually something there that needs to be worked out between you. And my prayer for your marriage this week is that you would have some sort of breakthrough, that by asking yourself these questions, you would arrive at a knowledge of the truth and that truth would set you free to love and to speak in healthier, more wholehearted ways. To God be the glory. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Not a bone Love is just as fragile.